0: You know, we we don't have to work that hard to compete for God to hear our prayers. He promised He would listen. You know, when we pray, when we truly humble ourselves and pray, we have His attention. I guarantee you. But woe does God have to work sometimes to get our attention. That's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. You know, at one point when Jesus was teaching, I, I love reading through, you know, where Jesus was just teaching and, and he taught in parables and stories and, and uh, somebody recently made a comment about being careful about sharing stories. They're like, well, didn't Jesus teach that way? He did. And and you know what I, I just I, I love that and but in Mark chapter four verse nine he was teaching and he made this statement he says and he said to them he who has ears to hear let him hear and I begin to think about that you know when we live in a world that talks a whole lot but listens just a little and. And I was thinking about that, and then then I went over to Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 2, where, where God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, and he says this, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see, but does not see, and ears to hear, but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. And then I contrasted it with, John 10, 27. So you might say I have three texts this morning that's the main thing I'm working from. But Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You get the picture there? See, we're not that good at listening sometimes. How often did Jesus say, those that have ears let them hear. We should, one of our biggest goals as believers should be to have ears to hear. Because if we don't hear His voice, then either we're not His, or we suffer from selective hearing. Now anybody that has ever raised a kid, or dare I say wives that have husbands, Sometimes we suffer from selective hearing. And I know it works the other way too. But I think we can confuse sometimes what we're listening for. And what I really mean by that is that I believe that God never quits talking. I believe we just don't always listen. We don't. I believe that God's people are not listening, or God's people not listening, and the state of our world are related. Think about that. If his people were really listening, wouldn't we be having more of an impact in the world around us? So how do we do this? Where do we go? What what does it look like to have ears to to hear? Because there because there are people I see this all the time, and it seems like it's just become this plague this this thing that is just that so many are eat up with. I see time and time again. I see people that claim to be Christ followers, and yet they are embracing things that the world says we should embrace that are completely contrary to God's word. In fact, embracing things acting like it's okay that the Scripture tells us that God absolutely detests. That somehow we see too many listen more to cultural trends than they do His Word or His voice. But all it takes is just a few ears to listen, a few ears to hear, and then follow what He's saying. See, God promised... His, God's promised nation, the land of Israel. During the Bible days, the, the place that were His chosen people, they found themselves in a very similar situation. Uh, Kristen alluded to it earlier. How many times do we look at Israel and their up and down way that they... Had their history because they would turn back to God and God would bless them, and then in the abundance of that blessing, they would forget Him again. And then it was just this cycle that we saw that you see over and over and over. Unfortunately, I hate to say this we don't do very well in blessing, we don't. It's, it's just, it's honestly, we don't. But so the God's nation found themselves in a similar situation. And the answer came from one person who listened. We find this in 1 Samuel 3.1. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And this is the part I want you to grab a hold of. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Boy, what a sad statement. I mean, this is the nation that God, by His miraculous hand, led them out of Egypt. They went into a promised land and God gave them a land that they had no business possessing. Because the spies that went in and said they're too big for us were right. But because of God... And having faith in Him, the generation that walked in, they possessed the land because God was with them. If you think about that, it just, you know, there was this time in their history when they didn't hear the Word of God very much. They had gotten complacent. Generations had had come along afterwards that had kind of heard the stories, but to them, I guess it became just that, stories and not history. I mean, we're kind of there now. And it was a time of of corruption. It was a time of greed. And all these things were everywhere you looked. Kind of sounds a little bit like today, doesn't it? And too many were serving their own self-interest without listening for the voice of God. And we find ourselves in the same place today. I'm afraid there are too many that don't really take the time to listen for the voice of God. They don't really have ears to hear. And if anyone in this day and time does claim to hear the voice of God or to pray over a circumstance, boy, are they made fun of in a hurry. What? They claim to hear the voice of God? They need to be in an asylum somewhere. They're hearing voices. That's the mentality that we see today. And where we find ourselves is... is the, the children of Israel were in this place. They were in Shiloh, the town where, they, where the central sanctuary of the time was was at. And the Ark of God was located there. Hophni and Phineas were the priests, and Eli was the high priest, but his sons were working under him. And the sad thing is, is they were just falling in line with the society around them. They used their position for personal gain. Scripture tells us that they were even committing unholy acts with the women that worked the front of the of the um, sanctuary area right there in the very house of God it was horrible it was corrupt it was a mess and although we read in scripture that Eli rebuked his sons he really didn't go that far he didn't remove them from their position he didn't really take care of the circumstance and so He never really did anything about it. So guess what? It appeared that all was hopeless and the next generation was destined to be even more corrupt than the one that was in power then. What did God need? God needed someone who would listen. Someone to listen. I mean, that's still what he's looking for today is someone that will Listen. And So imagine God's frustration there. Can you imagine him looking down? And he's like, "Who will listen to me? Because we know God speaks. God doesn't muzzle himself. And yet there was nobody listening. Can you imagine him looking and just saying, "Hello. Is anybody listening? I'm speaking. Who will listen to what I'm saying? Who will stand up? So you can imagine how he felt. You can imagine even, I think, his frustration now. His church is all over the globe. And yes, there are many that do, but there are many that don't even listen for his voice. There's many that have more of a voice tuned to the lying society we live in than to the very voice of God. So you can imagine him saying, people, if you would just only listen to what I'm saying, if you would only heed and follow what I'm talking about, if you would only turn your ears to me, I could heal this whole circumstance. You know, We've heard it talked about many times that you know God gave us one mouth and two ears. And the the old saying is that that that's because God meant for us to listen more than we talk. I think it's completely different than that. I think God knew that it was more difficult for us to listen, twice as difficult for us to listen as it is for us to talk. We love talking. Kind of like a music teacher that asked the difference between listening and hearing. And at first, the class, you you ever had a question like that thrown out in the classes? I mean, it happens even sometimes when we're doing Bible studies, you throw out a question, the class is like, I'm not answering that. (laughs) Finally, one hand went up, and one little girl said, That's easy. Listening is wanting to hear. Listening is wanting to hear. See, God is always speaking to His people. The key is we have to want to hear what He's saying. We all suffer from that selective hearing at times. Oh, we love hearing His promises. Let somebody stand up again to preach about the promises of God and how God's going to bless your life and He's going to give you this and He's going to give you a pink pony and all, and you know. I don't know where the peak pony came from, but it just what flew into my mind. But all the crazy, I mean, man, when you talk about those things, people get excited. We hear the promises loud and clear, but we turn a deaf ear to when somebody stands up and talks about the holy standards of God. We turn a deaf ear when somebody wants to stand up and say, we need to be listening for the call of God and responding when He speaks. We too have selective hearing. I know it's out of fashion to say that, but I believe, I believe that Israel is still God's chosen people Amen. and His chosen nation. And I also still believe this too is out of fashion. But I still believe that America came into existence for a purpose. Now, have we been perfect? No. Have we made mistakes? No. But the founding idea was good and right. And if you look at it, there's not a nation on this planet that has done more to spread the gospel than this nation. I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about the people. I'm talking about the church. Historically, we've been incredible at spreading the gospel. But think about this. Israel went through periods, though we see, we talked about where where they quit listening, and every time they did, they paid a price. And as for our nation, I just want to say, the more we ignore the voice of God, the more dangerous our circumstance, the more precarious our circumstance becomes. We can't think that we can continue to shove God and His Word and His standards aside and that there won't be a price to pay. This morning I want to talk about one lady with a heart for God that changed everything. Her prayer literally brought about a leader Who wanted to hear. So I boil it all down to this one statement this morning that you'll hear a couple of times God is always speaking, but listening is wanting to hear. So if that's the case, and it is, where is the cry, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening? Because he's talking. When was the last time you literally prayed, Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's what I don't want to hear, Lord, never remove your voice from my hearing. Never let me have deaf ears to what you're saying. If I need correction, correct me. If I need to step out in faith, tell me where to put my foot. We need to cry, speak, Lord. So the whole idea is we need to want to hear. We have to have a wanting to hear. One praying lady changed everything with her prayer as her prayer was answered. Her prayer literally became the leader of a nation who wanted to hear. Now, of course, I'm talking about Samuel. And probably if you spent much time in church, you know the story you know, of, of this man named Elkanah who had, who had two wives, Hannah that he loved very much and Penina that, that was also his wife. But Hannah couldn't have children and Penina could and so there was this thing where Penina constantly, you know, she knew, I think, that she was the second favorite wife. I'm so glad that we only have to deal with one. I mean, I realize on one, on one level for some guys that may sound cool, but I'm like, can you imagine the drama you have to put up with? And, and so there was this thing that was going on where Panina loved to razz Hannah about, I've got kids and you don't. Even though her husband loved her very much. We catch up with Hannah and they were at the temple for the annual feast and, and they were spending that time and in the midst of all that, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's like when you read the story, it's just like Penina ramped up the, the harassment a little bit. And so Hannah is just at the point of, of just broken down spirit. And she goes and she pours out her heart to God. In verse 10 of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, it says that she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. I mean, she made this promise, she made this vow to God in her anguish as she prayed. If you know the story, you know Eli comes up and he thinks that, you know, she's had a little too much to drink or whatever, and, 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 and she explains, "No, I'm just in bitter." And he, and he says, "May the Lord answer your prayer, go in peace." I don't know about you, but I'm kind of pretty sure Eli probably forgot about the whole thing. But God heard her prayer, and God answered her prayer. And she was given a son, and he was born, and she named him Samuel. And the next year when it came around, she didn't go. She stayed with him, and she she held the boy and, and took care of the boy until the time came that he was old enough to travel and old enough to go. And we read in, in verse 26 through 28, it says, When she finally shows up with young Samuel to present him to Eli the high priest, it says she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He shall be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Think about God's timing in all this. In the middle of all this stuff that was going on in a nation, all the things that were happening around, and the corruption, even even in, in the... in the What word am I looking for? Even in the church structure of the day. All the stuff that was happening, the religious structure, all the things that were happening. Even in the midst of all that, here we have this lady that prayed this prayer... And think about what all God pulled together. Her situation brought her to that point of prayer where she prayed that prayer, God answered that prayer, and the answer to her prayer became the answer for a nation. Isn't it cool how God pulls that stuff off? I've wondered how often, how often do we make promises to God that actually we don't even realize are aligning with His will? Yeah. I think we've all been in that situation. We've prayed a prayer, we've been desperate, we're like, God, if you will do this, I will do this. Anybody ever talked yourself out of your part when He answered the prayer? I'm, I'm guilty too. I've done it before too. You make a promise, He answers the prayer. You're like, "Well, he probably would have done. It. He probably really didn't mean for me to do that, so I yeah, I wonder how often our part was in alignment with his will, what we promised, and then we back out. But the great to me, the, one of the greatest miracles of this story, is that she kept her promise. She brought her son and left him at the temple. That had to be different. I mean, can you imagine the very thing that you prayed for, the very thing that you cried out for, the anguish that you laid, and then to follow up. But Lord, was not that in the middle of God's will? Can you imagine later on how proud she was of that son that God gave her? I mean, think about that. Something special was about this boy, and he grew up different than the other children that were connected with Eli. And guess what? He wanted to hear the voice of God in a time where it literally says the word of the Lord was rare. See, we need to understand that there is a heart connection with our ears. We hear what we're passionate about. We hear what we long to hear. Shouldn't we get a little better at loving Him enough to want to hear His voice? You know, when I was a kid, I hated spankings. yes, I had parents that actually spanked. Thank God I had parents that actually spanked. And, and, you know, I thought it was so unjust and unfair and all those things you think when you're a kid, right? But then when you get older, thank you. Thank you for correcting me when I need it. And the point I'm making is, how much more should we want to hear the correcting voice of God when we get off course? We don't like it when it happens. We may even scream, Lord, that's unfair. But in reality, we know it's what's best for us. There is something about, you know, How many know, though, even when he corrects, you can feel the love behind the correction? You know, if we long to hear God's voice, we will. But I was thinking about that statement that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. You know, how many know that rare means valuable? You know, think about this. You know, something that's rare can become your precious possession. I looked it up this morning. This, this crossed my mind, you know, because when we, what do we, when something is rare, man, it goes for high prices at auctions. I mean, we're talking baseball cards, comic books, old coins, all these things that, that are collected because of the rarity of them and they become really, really valuable. I looked it up just out of curiosity this morning. Did you know that the most rare baseball card is a 1911 Honus Wagner, and in 2007, one sold for $2.8 million. We're talking a piece of cardboard with ink on it. But the rarity made it value. Can I say this? Those of us that truly want to hear the voice of God are rare, and that makes us precious. In his sight, because of the rarity, from the calls of God, we read about in Scripture again and again. It seems like God speaking many times comes as a surprise to those that He's speaking to. I was talking with Alvin this morning. I spoke at a funeral yesterday of of Wanda Sipes, the pastor's wife that that did our that did our wedding and just kind of raises up in the, in the ministry and so forth. And to me, it was an honor to get asked to. Now, I wasn't the main speaker, but there was four of us that got a chance to to speak because he was great at raising up people. Her husband was great at raising up people in minister ministry. But I was talking to Al this morning. I said, you know what but the greatest thing about his wife was? She was not the stereotypical pastor's wife. She didn't play the piano. She didn't sing. She didn't teach any classes. But as I said, as I was speaking, I said, but when you were around her, you didn't even realize it, but school was in session. The way she lived her life just rubbed off. You saw how to live this thing. I used the the passage of scripture out of Philippians where Paul said, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. She lived Christ 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And she taught things. And just the, the... the love and the support that was there showed that she did her job and she did it well. You you know, but when you're called, so many times when God calls us, the point I'm getting to is we may not look like what we think that position's supposed to look like. God knew that when He called you. He knows your personality. He knows the way you're wired. Man, I I told Kim, I said, I'm jealous of of Pastor Sipes that got us started. I said, I'm jealous of the voice that he had. He didn't need amplification of his voice. I mean, he had a built-in megaphone with a subwoofer. I'm jealous of that. But you know what I learned? He didn't call me to be that. He called me to be me in his hands. And it's the same for all of us. We think when God calls. Well I'm. Not the stereotypical pastor's wife. I'm not, I'm not a, a worship leader like this person or that person. We do all this comparison game. God knows that when He calls you. He wants to work with who you are. He made you like you are. And there are giftings and there are things in you that you don't even know are there. And He'll raise them up. But can you imagine what it must have been like for Samuel This kid that wasn't even born into the family being brought in and left at the temple. I'm sure he didn't have, I'm sure his job was filling water pots and cleaning things and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Can you imagine how he must have felt? First Samuel chapter 3, verse 7 through 11. Now Samuel did not know, did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place and the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times Samuel, Samuel then Samuel said speak for your servant is listening and the Lord said to Samuel see I'm about to do something in Israel I love this part I underline this that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. Can you imagine how surprised that young man must have been that it wasn't Eli calling, it was God. And when he was brave enough to say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening, God spoke to him, God laid out some things, and God to tell him, hey, can you imagine who me? I'm just a kid. <laughs> you know, Eli and his high sons were the next and his sons are next in line. And then, if you read the rest of it, it's like, I'm supposed to go tell them what? <laughs> that the judgment of God is coming? And, and I'm supposed to be next in line and step up? What? What? See, there's some interesting hidden points, I believe, in this passage. the rarity of the word from God in those days I think is much like today. And there's a statement that's in that passage there that I didn't read that says this, and it really got a hold of me. As it's describing this whole circumstance, it says the lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out. We may be looking all around us we may be see the circumstances that we face here, the things that are happening there. There may be all this stuff that is going on around us, but guess what? We may think it's lost. We may think it's hopeless. We may think that there's no way out, but guess what? The lamp of the Lord has not yet gone out. In other words, it may be late, but it's not too late. It seemed all too late. It seemed like that there was no hope. It seemed like that it was done and finished, but there was a little boy that had been strategically planted at the temple. There was God's chosen answer. I love what he did in the advice of Eli. Son, go back and put yourself in position to listen. That's what we need to do as a people we need to get back and put ourselves in position to listen you know I, I remember more than once when our boys were growing up you try to communicate across the house and, and, and there's no response and he's and like okay this is frustrating I can't tell you how many times I heard Kim say this house is not that big <laughs> and you go in where they're at And well, I heard you saying something, but I couldn't hear you. Well, put yourself in position to listen. Step out from where you're at. Turn near. Come back and say, I didn't quite catch that. What were you saying? Well, we put ourselves in position to hear. I love that Eli told Samuel, go back lay down relax listen for that voice and when he speaks say speak lord your servant is listening so samuel went and he lay down in his place and god spoke you know i hear people all the time saying i have trouble hearing god's voice problem is you try too hard you don't really understand you know what we, we we've all grown up you know you see the movies and, and god speaks to bible character and they have the deepest pastor sipes type voice they can find jonah i don't know about you but i've never heard that voice and god speaks to me often It's a still, small voice. You just have to put yourself in position. It's not a word-for-word voice. Now, he can do that. I like to describe it this way. You just know in your knower that he's saying it. It's just there. What did he say? He said, my sheep... Know my voice. See, we're not walking around with some supernatural antenna we got to tune in. We just have to put ourselves in position to hear. And when he speaks, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He knows how to communicate to you, he knows how you're wired. He did the wiring. (laughs) You know, as I was thinking about that, I ran across a story that I thought was pretty interesting. I knew this, but I never really put it in association with this. You know, probably one of the greatest evangelists in our, not even generation, but just in, in modern times, we'd all probably have to say Billy Graham was it. You know, in 1949, he was about to start his first, one of his first big crusades in Los Angeles, and he was struggling with the call. This is in his own autobiography. And he had a friend at that time by the name of Chuck Timberlton that had enrolled in Princeton Theological Seminary, which was a very liberal um, Bible college. And so they were kind of on two different paths, and, and Billy was struggling with this call at the time because even back in 1949, there kind of began to be this shift. There kind of began to be this, this separation and this thing where there were those that were still standing up and saying, This is still the infallible word of God. And those that were saying, eh. I saw recently where somebody made the statement that this is man's expression towards God. I'd say, what? So there's a division that's going on. So here he had Billy Graham and his friend Chuck Templeton that was there, and and there was this discussion was going on, and and Chuck said to Billy Graham said, "Billy, you're 50 years out of date. People no longer accept the Bible as being inspired the way you do. Your faith is just too simple. Your preaching is out of date." How many of you know that's not what you want to hear? You know, there have been people in our ministry lives that we think we're walking by faith and somebody comes along and kind of blindsides you with something and you're like, but that's not what God's telling me. And so, so there, there he was. Finally, Billy Graham, before that crusade, that really kind of catapulted him, he tells the story of being in a place where where he's just struggling with all this and he's feeling overwhelmed and he literally says that he dropped to his knees clutching his Bible and said, Father, I'm going to accept your word by faith. I will believe this to be your inspired word. I will listen to you and to you alone. I think it worked out pretty well for him. Sadly, Chuck Templeton went the other way. According to the to the book "The Case of Faith," written by Lee Strobel, if you haven't read any of this stuff, it's good. He tells the story and he says, "Decimated by doubts, Templeton ended up resigning from the ministry, moving back to Canada, where he became a commentator and a novelist." Strobel, working on the book, at 83 years of age, sit down with Templeton and had a discussion with him. And as I was visiting, he said this. He said he asked him about Jesus Christ. and said all of a sudden his voice became very melancholy. And he said, to me, Jesus Christ was the greatest human being who ever lived. Everything good I know, everything decent I know, Everything pure that I know, I learned from Jesus. And then his voice kind of broke. As his voice broke, he said, I miss him. Wow. I'm not going to speculate on the state of the man's soul, but you see the contrast of one who listened and believed and follow, and one that begin to let the doubts creep in. You know, the one thing that is clear is he missed out on not putting himself in position to hear. As I said earlier, God is always speaking, but listening is wanting to hear. Where is our cry? Where are we crying? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. The question is simply this, as I begin to move to a close. Will you listen? Lives depend on it. Like Billy Graham, Samuel, long before him, put himself in a position to hear, and when the time came, he said, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And if, you know, I remember multiple times with our boys even telling them, you know, because let me know that, you know, they have... Kids have selective, selective hearing, right? And there's more than once we said, What if this had been an actual life and death emergency? And we're saying, Hey, stop, don't go that way, don't do this. And you're just like, ha, ha. I wonder how many times God feels the same. We don't listen, we don't listen. What if this was an actual emergency? country of israel was in a mess and those were supposed to be the ones that were listening were not one little boy it was the most unlikely answer put himself into position to hear and said speak lord your servant is listening not only did he listen but he came became the voice of god for a nation I mean, think about that. He wasn't anything special other than he listened and he trusted. Verse 19 through 21 in chapter 3, as we wrap this up. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed that. Lord, help me to be like that. Let none of the words you give me that I speak out fall to the ground. Let them have life and power. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Samuel came along and listened, and God made him the man for the hour. He rose up, he got to anoint David as, the, as king after Saul was a failure. I mean, what a combination. David is king, Samuel as the spiritual leadership of the nation. No wonder it was an incredible time. You can go to Israel today and they still talk about what it was like during the time of King David. thought of this. Eli put his boys before God. Hannah put God before Samuel. And then she put Samuel before God. What was the result? Incredible. Why are we so busy chasing after philosophies in place of his voice? Do we not think he will speak? Do we think somehow we know better? Or are we afraid he will speak and we won't like what he has to say? The thing that I love is just like in this story, folks, the lamp has not yet gone out. I know the world thinks the church is on the ropes. I know the world thinks that if, we, if it just keeps going the way it's going, that pretty soon we will disappear off the map. But you know what? We won't if we will stop and we will listen and we will put ourselves in position and we'll say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then when he speaks, if we will respond and step out and do what he tells us to do, it is not too late. The lamp has not gone out. matter of fact, the lamp will catch a new fresh wind and a new fresh fire and we will Rise up and be what we're supposed to be. But it all starts with putting ourselves in position to hear. Will you listen? If we could have some music. Do you have ears to hear? I'm going to read the first part of his calling again. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. When I was working on this, I literally felt like those words jumped off the page. I literally felt like the Lord was speaking those same words to us right now this morning. See, I am about to do something that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. That's what we need. We need for him to, because he's up to, so he's a creative God. The lamp has not yet gone out. All he has to do is speak and, and breathe life into the circumstance. His church is not done. He boldly declares that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. So we're not unarmed. We're not without the tools to get the job done. The only thing we're lacking is a desire to listen to what the Spirit is saying. So I challenge you. I believe. I, I, you know, maybe I'm putting myself out on a limb here. So be it. I truly believe there is. I'm not going to say that there's not going to be battles. I'm not going to say that there's not going to be, that the enemy's going to try to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he does. But I believe that God is about to raise up a standard against it. And he is about to pour out his spirit like we have not seen in a long time. And I believe that he's going to move. And he's looking for people that will listen and say, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. And when he speaks, we will step out and do what he tells us to do. You've got giftings. You've got abilities. There are things that he has put in you that you don't even know is there. He did not make a mistake. If he calls you, you're not the second or the third or the fifteenth choice. You were made like he made you for a reason. And there are things in you, there are lives that you can touch, there are ways that we can rise up. There's, I mean, it takes all kinds of tasks and abilities to, to it. It takes the Marys and the Martha's. It takes us all. It takes the worship leaders. It takes the diaper changers. It takes us all. If we'll just listen. I'm going to ask Steve here to lead us back into worship. And I really was asking during service, Lord, how do you want me to wrap this up? I don't think this is a everyone come forward and let's lay hands on you and pray for you kind of thing. I just want to challenge you before you leave this morning. I am not going to do any kind of a formal dismissal. He's going to lead us back into something. And all I want you to do whether it's kneeling your face before God walking and pacing lifting up your hands and looking towards heaven whatever it is for you I want you to put yourself in position to listen and in in your own way say speak Lord your servant is listening he will speak desire to hear and then when he speaks do what he tells you there's ministries that this church is supposed to do that haven't even been started yet because the person he wants to do it through hasn't stepped up there are holes and areas that people have pointed and said I'm not saying anybody's actually come to me and done this but I'm just Somebody needs to do this. You are somebody. If he speaks to you, if he shows you that, maybe he's saying, that's you. I challenge you, find what that is. Let him speak this morning. Just say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And when he speaks, step in and do what he has desired. to you do? for you to do we're all called we're all chosen we just have to step out amen so do that whatever position you need find it just ask him to speak to you this morning Then, when you feel like you're there you can quietly slip out like I said I'm not doing a formal dismissal Let's touch him this morning.